<laughs> Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to the 2022 Combos Court NBA Mock Lottery Draft. A fantastic conversation with Corey Tullaba and Nathan Grubel of No Ceilings. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button on this show. Corey and Nathan go back and forth drafting players for the 2022 NBA draft. As we know, the teams are set, so it's a great time to mock it up. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Combos Court NBA Mock Lottery Draft. We have Corey Tullaba and Nathan Grubel of No Ceilings. Man, what's the vibes, guys? How are things? Man, the vibes are immaculate right now on our side. There, this is an exciting time of the year, man. We're we're grinding away. We got big things coming from the No Ceiling Squad. So it's uh it's draft season. We're we're out here right now. We are out here. What's up, Nathan? We're we're crossing over into June, man. This is it. This is draft month. This is what we've all been. This is what we've all been training for for the last however many months now. Where you've got to get ready, and we are ready over at No Ceilings. I'm so excited for everything that we've been talking about. What we got coming over the next month? Just pure heat. No matter where you're catching us on social media, the Substack, YouTube, everything. So definitely make sure everybody's locking in over there. But thank you for having us back, Combo. It's great to be back on the podcast. Of course, no ceilings as always. It's always no ceilings. All right, guys, general thoughts on this draft real quick. Nathan, we'll start with you, and then I'll uh, ask maybe a little bit of a different question for our friend Corey over there. What are your general thoughts on this draft? So I think everybody got the impression coming into this draft cycle that it would be a a little bit of a quote-unquote down year for the draft, which depending on what you're looking for, I think you might walk away a little disappointed when you compare this one to the last two drafts. But I do think there's still plenty of opportunity for teams to get better in the lottery. And I still maintain this feeling that I have that teams in like that 25 to 40 range, like that back end of the first early second. I think I think a few teams are really going to strike gold um, in in sort of that range in the draft as well. So maybe maybe a few maybe a few hits and hits and misses here and there, like late lottery all the way through to like the back end of the first. But I think there's going to be some really smart teams that swoop in and get some really talented guys a little later on in the draft. Most definitely. Corey, what did you learn most during the combine open play five on five? Man, I, you know what I like to, to watch for in, in those settings? I want to see like who looks like they're playing in a different game. Like the, mm. almost like when uh, you're playing, like uh, if, if you're the older kids and you go and play with your, your younger brother's friends or something, and you're just like, I can go out here and, and the speed of the game is just too much for the other guys. Like mm. I'm at a higher level. That's what I look for. And, and I think that there are, there were a few of the guys and it happens every year where you're just like, all right, these guys are playing like they're ready for the next step. Um, they showed that, that they probably could have been in the camp of guys who were like, I didn't need to play, they, but they went out and did it. 
and they went out and showed something like, I think Jalen Williams, like the game was a little bit too, it was like too slow for him. Like he was having an easy time getting to his spots with all the extra space, you know, guys who were, you know, real talented role men. And then he's able to pick apart the defense with his IQ. Like he looked like he was out there playing, um, you know, like, like you said, like he was the older brother playing with the younger kids. So that's the thing that I like looking for in those settings. Most definitely. All right, let's get this mock draft started. Let's start with C, Corey. You know, we'll go in alphabetical <laughs> order here. But um, I would like to say for this mock, we want you to put your crystal balls away. Not what you think will happen. It's what you would okay. do. What okay. you would do. All right. Okay. So you got your GM caps on and we're ready to go. The Orlando Magic, a team I've been covering for the Believe Podcast Network the Believe in Magic podcast, so I'm interested in who you're going with here. I know who I would go with, but, Corey, you're on the clock. Who you got? All right, who I would go with, for me, this is an easy one. This He's been my number one guy all year. He continues to be my number one guy. I'm going with Chet Holmgren, uh, the, the classic John Hammond type of player, long, versatile, skilled, um, I think that Holmgren's like the intersection of length, skill, versatility, IQ is just so enticing for me. Um, I mean, defensively, I think that he's a game changer. You know, he's a number one option on defense. He is the guy that could, that could disrupt. He's the guy that's going to be in the right spots. He's tough. Um, and then offensively, I think that he has, so much room to, to grow upon what we saw at the college level. I mean, Gonzaga, and it's a good strategy when you're playing at that level, but they're playing through Drew Timmy, you know, mm-hmm. not a guy that is representative of what the modern NBA looks like. When you put Chet in a, a situation where he's going to have a little bit more space to operate, um, I think you're going to see more of those guard skills that he showed in high school, maybe some of the guard skills that he showed when he was playing in transition in the open floor, going coast to coast, stopping and popping on a dime above the break threes. I think that he's got a lot to show on, on the offensive end as well. So, you know, I get the the concerns and and whatnot with the body and, and is he going to be able to physically hold up? And and I'm not trying to say that those aren't legitimate concerns because the, the NBA is, is physically taxing. And even if it's not as physical in the sense of like, banging down in the post you have to cover so much ground nowadays your defensive rotations you're flying all over the floor so it's taxing on on those feet uh for seven footers but I just think that this kid is one of those guys who could change the the direction of a franchise and and we look back and go wow it should have been a little bit more obvious everybody who listens to my podcast and follows me on twitter knows I would 100% agree on you I think the focus on development not only has to be the body, but the shooting, because that's what the Orlando Magic needs so much of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, like, uh, you look at that 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 team, and it's like, who's the the most consistent guy uh, right, from right. that aspect? It was Gary Harris and then Mo Bamba, right? If by percentage, like that is, uh, <laughs> you know, that's exactly. something they got to get sorted out in more than just you know whatever the pick they have now, but. Um, he's going to offer that, you know, and, and I think that I don't think you draft for fit uh, at this point of the draft, but he just so happens to fit pretty well. And when I think of like what they could be defensively in that front court with Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter, Jr. And Chet, 
all on the floor at the same time. And, and obviously Jonathan Isaac, you know, who knows what his health and his situation is going to be, uh, be at, like he, you know, he might be on his book tour still going into the year. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, I agree with everything you said, Corey, but let's not forget Cole Anthony doesn't exist on the Orlando magic. Come on, man. He's a shooter. Come on, man. Give it to me. I mean, he, he shoots. You're not wrong. He's putting <laughs> shots up, but if <laughs> I, I I've had this exercise, uh, oh, I mean, Terrence Ross, you know, he's on the podcast grind to respect to him. Uh, mm. he, he gets hot, but, uh, they definitely need, like, they need snipers. They don't need shooters. They need some snipers. Right. Too much upside. I agree with you on Chet. Great choice. Let's take it to OKC. The big question for them is when will they turn the corner out of tank mode? Nathan, you're on the clock. Who do you have? Oh boy. Oh boy. I've been so back and forth on the, between these two guys, man. So, so much over the last week, I'm going to go with Jabari Smith for the Oklahoma wow. city thunder, but you could talk me in the Palavan Caro mm. there as well, to, to be honest, but with Jabari, listen, the biggest knock on Jabari going back to when he was playing at Auburn was he didn't have all these great guards setting him up. He had to do so much creative. If he couldn't create offense for himself, he couldn't do a lot of that. You know, what's it going to look like at the NBA level? Can he create some of those same shots? Does he have to create those shots? Oklahoma City doesn't have to do that, right? He has SGA and the best passer out of last year's draft, Josh Giddy, setting him up in all the right spots where he likes to operate. We know what he brings from a perimeter shooting standpoint. You talked about that's a big need for Orlando. It's also a big need for Oklahoma City as well. Um, they, they were an even worse offensive team by, by the numbers last year. So they, they do need some help in those areas. And I think just giving those two guys in particular in the backcourt, another guy who can space the floor, space of the corners, you know, be a trailer threat from the three-point range. They're passing that ball to him. They just know if I give it to Jabari Smith, this guy's going to knock it down, right? We're, we're not breaking that shot. We're not missing. We're not going back on the other end without points. So give me that guy. Give me arguably the best shooter in the draft at his size, who can also cover multiple positions defensively. Give me that guy number two. Right. You want to go with best available, but when you have two guys who are like right there when it comes to best available, then you go with fit, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, yes. and I just think Jabari, I think Jabari, not, not that every team can't use a Paolo Bencaro, right? Because Paolo is well, the with, one guy. With SGA and Josh, they both like the ball, right? So, I mean, Jabari just makes sense there i think exactly and and yeah. it's like, like i said it's not that like every team can't <laughs> use like a palabin caro but it's also every team we know could use a jabari smith right like where right. doesn't jabari fit in today's nba a hundred percent okay we got houston very fun team can they get even more fun <laughs> next season Corey, you're on the clock who do you have uh for houston i am going to take paulo boncaro paulo is is my number two guy uh, so if you get him at three, I think that's tremendous value. I like the building block of Paolo Boncaro and Jalen Green to give mm -hmm. you some front court creation and some back court creation. And what I like about Paolo is while, yeah, he does look like he could be, you know, uh, your traditional post kind of power forward. He has the footwork down on the block and he's got all that. He's also it's easy to envision him as kind of like a jumbo wing who's initiating offense and running like pick and roll as, as the, the ball handler. Uh, he, I think he's a really intuitive playmaker uh, when he gets the opportunity to do so. So 
I do have my question marks with Paulo. I saw him live a couple of times this year, and you saw the highs where you're just like, oh, my God, 6'10", 250, ball on a string, can knock down shots, crazy skilled footwork. When he's locked in defensively, he can guard on an island with twitchy, quick guards. Mm-hmm. He can come over from the help side and protect the rim. And then, you know, you're, you're watching at times, and you're just like, man, my dude is not engaged at all. So there is some, some questions there uh, for me about is he going to lock in but he's also young. Um, and I think Jalen green is that like, I think he's a dog. I think he's got that culture. Like he, I don't think he's going to accept that, um, as he goes on. So I think he's a good partner there. I like what they're building. It's a, I, I don't love the the front court fit with him and Shangun long-term and I'm a big Shangun guy, but I think that again, this is about getting the biggest talent and you can get an asset for Shangun down the line. Um, when Paolo actualizes into what we think he's going to be. So I'm a, I'm, I'm going to take Paolo Boncaro for the Rockets here at, at, at three. Most definitely. I could see it. Um, I would do, I would do, I would have done the same. Let's go to Nathan. This is where things get really interesting. I think <laughs> you're, you're giving me all the hard choices. so far, man. <laughs> this is where things get really interesting. Sack is on the clock. Nathan, who do you have? We're take Jay and Ivy. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm Ooh. done playing these games. Doesn't care about fit. He does not. <laughs> <laughs> I are right, I mean, combo. I can ask you a question, man. Like, do you really think the Kings are in a position where they they can't go BPA? Like, like if Jay Nivey is the fourth best player on your board, or he's right there, or possibly even higher on your board. As I've started to hear, I mean, that there was Chad Ford playing that intel like a while back that the Pistons might have been interested in Jay Nivey, if, even if they would have gotten up to like one or two. I had Kyle Boone on my podcast who was saying that he knows of at least one NBA team who has a number one, a few who do have them top two on their boards. Like if this guy really is that talented, which I would agree, I think he does have legitimate star potential to him. Are we really going to pass on him to try and, and fit around a nucleus where, yeah, you got Sabonis, you have Foxes. Fox definitely one of the answers in the backcourt. We think Davion's one of the answers in the backcourt, but we we don't know for sure to the point where we should pass on somebody like Ivy if you truly do believe in his talent. Now, if they have somebody else ranked ahead of Ivy on their board, they want to go a different direction. They want to go Keegan Murray. They want to swing for the unknown and Shane Sharp. I won't knock him for that, but I think if – if they do think that Jay and Ivy is that guy, I would not pass on him if he is your BPA just because they have some other guys in the backcourt. I don't think that is what happens, but I'm not mad at the pick at all because I think he is the best available there. I do think they go with the mystique of Shade and Sharp and then uh, Ivy lands next to Cade, which I would love to see um, because I think that's dynamic. But I'm not mad at the pick because, look, he's best available at that point. But they're going to – I don't think they're going to like the fit with him and Fox in the backcourt. And then it's another guy who's not going to uh, really space it to the level they want, right? Even though Shaden might not as well. So um, I definitely see where you're going with it because it's usually not an issue to just take the best guy. And and and, and I'm, I would not take – listen, I, I flirted with the idea of Shane Sharp possibly to the Sacramento Kings. I know Corey actually made that selection for the Kings on – the draft deeper podcast when him and Tyler Rucker came on, did a mock draft with me, but I, I'm steering away from that idea if I'm Sacramento, because if we, if we aren't going to go the quote unquote BPA route and we want to swing for upside that could fit alongside everybody else, then why wouldn't Keegan Murray be the guy in that situation? Like mm. Shaden, I, I have enough question marks to the point where if, if they're really trying to go that route, they're trying to put a roster together to win in the playoffs next year. 
I can't make an argument in that case that that Shane Sharp's the guy because I, I don't think he's going to be ready to play that kind of a role in, in the NBA next year from day one. Very interesting. I would say for Jaden, he doesn't want to land in Sacramento. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that that's not that's not the worst answer. Either. That's that's not the worst answer. Tom, we'll go with there. No, great pick, great pick. You can't go with <laughs> you can't go with a guy who people have at one and number four, right? I mean, I would I would definitely have Chet at one, but okay. So let's uh shift to Detroit. Who do you have, Corey? All right, I this this is actually this is a tough one. This is a tough one because I've been fall I've been going I've been having some some thoughts the last couple of days where I've been like, I've, I've been a, a shade and sharp believer pretty, pretty heavily. Uh, I just, it, it's so effortless the way he moves on the floor. And, and sometimes, yeah. sometimes I feel like you can watch a guy for a minute on the basketball court and just be like, Oh, this dude's got it. You know, and, and the space creation, the combo moves, the, the range, um, the maturity and, his pull-up game like it's really impressive the length the length the frame yeah, the I, yeah. I mean the bounce the power the fluid like it's so fluid so i'm gonna go with shade and sharp but i definitely had to think about it because i i'm a big aj griffin guy mm. and, and i also like the idea I, you know i'm watching jimmy butler i'm watching jalen brown and i see aj griffin very much in that mold and i see what they're doing in the playoffs and like i can envision long term aj doing that as well but I could also see Shaden doing that. And uh, I think that, you know, the, the combination of his frame and his, his ability to get his own bucket and the athleticism is for, for a team like Detroit, where you have Cade, like for Shaden, it, it, that's like a good spot for him to go because it takes the pressure off of him having to be that superstar guy. And Cade would jump. And Cade would be a great influence on him. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to go with Shaden. I think that Detroit's in a position to, to take that, uh, that perceived risk on on the mystery guy, um, but I, I think that the the kid's potential is through the roof, so it's it's well worth the risk. So everyone's knock on him is that he hasn't played basketball in a while. Outside that's a big of, knock, that's a big <laughs> knock. But outside of that, what's an improvement area for Shaden from it's what the, you've seen in your analysis? Yeah, the playmaking is the number one thing for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I mean, for like if you're watching the like the EYBL stuff or you know the the limited film that's available for him he's really a like a, a one pass away passer you know like okay. and and I think that when you look at like the development of guys like Devin Booker Zach Levine maybe guys that you want Shaden to emulate down the line it took them a while to kind of understand how to leverage this the the threat of um their scoring ability to make plays for their teammates so like you know i think it's especially because he's taken a year off of competitive basketball and like development time and, and game time he won't get back with this year like you know he's not making those luca trey young type weak side hits coming off a ball screen that's going to take a while um and it would have taken a while regardless like if you look at ant edwards and jalen green like that's stuff that those guys have to continue to improve Tatum upon, has just got right? it recently right right so yeah. you're looking down the line and and as long as you're a franchise that is patient i think that you know that's not something you worry about in year one but i think when you're just looking at what can this what can he improve upon it's like how do you get him to kind of read the floor a little bit better to where he's not looking for his shot first second third option and then if he has to pass it's kind of just the the skip one pass away how do you make him more of like a uh a more natural playmaker 
because if he's able to mix the playmaking in with the shot making, I mean, you're talking sky's the limit, all NBA type talent, in my opinion. So again, I don't think it's something he needs to work on right away, but it, it's definitely to me like the, the standout weakness. Cause you know, some people might say the, the defense, like somebody with his frame, his athleticism should probably be locked in more as a defender, but like, you know, when you're up and down in, in AAU type, an AAU type setting, like you're not really getting that same kind of uh, locked in defensive effort. I think that you would in a college or pro setting. So I would say his playmaking is a little bit more important right now than like the defense, which I think will come as he learns the game a little more. Hundred percent High upside for sure. We are shifting to number six. Nathan is on the clock and the Indiana Pacers have this one. Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray. If, if he goes, if he falls to number six, I think Indiana should be, running up to the podium to take him. I understand there's a few other interesting options on the board. Dyson Daniels has been climbing rapidly. Mm-hmm. Benedict Mather would be there. AJ Griffin, Corey's guy, he just said would be there. But Keegan just checks so many boxes as a basketball player combo. And it's, it's really hard to come away, similar to, to, to the point that Corey was making about AJ with some of these wings and then the shot making that they're bringing. It's very hard to watch the playoffs and not picture how Keegan Murray's not going to fit in and be able to play. Um, real playoff minutes within his first few years in the NBA. I would, I, if Indiana does get to that point, they know that they could count on somebody like him who could shoot from the perimeter, who can get a mismatch in the post, who can obviously operate out of the face-up game, can work from the elbows. And then defensively, he's, I got to see him in person as well. He's one of the smartest defensive prospects that I've gotten to read out in person in a while. Like he, the whole game, when I got to see him against Rutgers, I think he missed one, defensive rotation like the entire game like he is so sound on point on ball off ball I trust so many things that he can do and if he does hit if his upside does hit he could hit like a Tobias Harris type ceiling but not like the Tobias Harris that we're seeing in Philly like what Tobias was doing for the LA Clippers like on offense that's the type of ceiling that he could ultimately hit while being a better defender that's that's a top five top six pick in, in the draft, regardless of the questions that you have. Great draft pick. I want to ask you, does a team like Memphis have influence on this draft of just taking good basketball players, even though maybe they're not high upside guys? I sure would hope so. I yeah. sure would hope so because everybody just wants to come back around. Well, Keegan's really old, right? He's a really old sophomore. Well, if you still think there's upside to be tapped into, then the age doesn't necessarily matter for me as much in that situation and similar to exactly what you said combo with memphis they didn't worry about the age they wanted to take guys who they knew were seasoned up to an extent and that they could just come in and play the game the right way and would buy in to all the right systems and keegan's just a no-nonsense type of guy you see it from all of his interviews how he approaches the game yeah no nonsense just come in produce Draft good players, NBA teams. Draft good players. That's All right. right. <laughs> good Corey. Strategy. That's a good strategy. <laughs> Corey, you are on the clock. <laughs> the Portland Trailblazers. Who knows if they're rebuilding? Who knows if they're not? Yeah. They still got Dame there. Who do you have? Shout out to my mentor, Mike Schmitz. Uh, oh, yeah. Shout out to him. GM. Yes. Uh, I am going to go with AJ Griffin there. Mm. Now, uh, what I like about AJ there. And I understand that, you know, Dame wants guys who are going to contribute immediately. So rookies at this spot, probably outside of Keegan, I don't know how many other guys would really be like needle pushers in in that regard, but I really 
I really like what AJ would bring to this squad, what he would fit, how he would fit in this squad. Like one, he showed at Duke this year that he's willing to play a role and that he doesn't need the ball in his hands in order to make an impact. Like he -hmm. came in, you know, coming off the injury and realized that Trevor Keels, Jeremy Roach, Wendell Moore, Paolo, all these guys were going to be playing with the ball in their hands and he just needed to star in his role. And that meant cutting off ball and knocking down open shots, getting out in transition. So right away, you know, offensively, he has a role to find himself minutes on the floor because Anthony Simons, Dame, those are going to be the guys who are playing with the ball in their hands a lot. Um, And then I I think when you look at what the modern NBA is, like I touched on a little bit before, like AJ six, six, seven plus wingspan, like two twenty absolute monster like physically just a he looks like a, a tight end you know like he's just so strong um I'm a little bit more optimistic about him as an athlete as it seems like most people have been on him I I, I think that a he was a better athlete than people are giving him credit for this year at Duke and that b like yeah he's coming off uh, an injury this year that you know who knows like if he ever fully recovered from and you give him an off season and time to really recuperate and and I think he's going to be just fine, especially as he continues to get into an NBA strength and conditioning program. And then the other thing that's so enticing about him is like, this is a kid who didn't get the opportunity to play with the ball in his hands, but that's what he came into Duke known as he was a guy who was a on the, like off the bounce slasher, who You know, can get his, his own. So, and he showed those flashes he showed those flashes like where he would just have little stretches where he was able to control the rock. So I I look at him and I'm like, all right, well now picture him five years down the line, maybe running some like high pick and roll. Or if he's like the second guy on the floor, now the ball swinging to him, he's attacking from the second side. Like, I think that like, this is such a great spot for him to land where he could potentially play in some high impact games with Dame Cause I think they'll, they'll be competitive enough. Um, and he comes from an NBA family. Like he's got the pedigree. He knows what it's like to be a pro from all accounts. Everything I've heard is he's like a great kid, great individual. So I think this would be a, a really fun landing spot for him. You mentioned some of what he did in high school. And I think that's so important because Chet actually comes to mind here. Mm. Um, when you kind of, when you look at the high school tape, I think it's really important because sometimes they have more freedom and they could show a little bit more of what they could do. And as you said before, like Chet played with Timmy and now he won't have that guy, Timmy in the middle where everything goes through him. It'll be a little bit, maybe even more like high school, even though obviously college is a closer level of the NBA, but sometimes it is great to look back at that high school tape to see what guys could do. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Nathan, we are on the clock with new Orleans. Who do you have? Let's go Dyson Daniels. Let's let's give him some six six. Now reportedly six seven as what he measured into the combine size on the perimeter with plenty of length. One of the more intelligent players in this draft class plays on both sides of the ball. The biggest thing for me with the Pelicans coming into the year, which they they solved it a little bit with with, with Jose Grand Theft Alvarado being able to come <laughs> in and really make an impact on the perimeter defensively, but. I looked at that team. I'm like, who is going to guard somebody on the perimeter, right? Outside of him, what other options do they really have to get better defensively with how the roster is presently constructed? They need somebody like Dyson Daniels, who is arguably the best one through three defender in this draft on top of having the offensive upside 
that he does have. We know that he was a playmaker, played some point guard for the G League Ignite team, really grew more into that role through the second half of the year. And the questions around the shot making, he became a better shot maker in the second half of the Ignite season. It got much more comfortable shooting from three-point range, but also those one-two dribble pull-ups um, in the half court coming off the screen. And then when he gets downhill, he knows how to play the right angles off the screen to the point where it's very hard to stop him from getting to where he wants to go around the basket or stop it in the, in the painted area to get to that floater game of his, which is pretty nice. So for everything we want to just paint him as like this quote unquote three and D type guy who can be a connector and make, make sure the ball keeps moving in the right places. There's more upside to his game to be unlocked. So the sky's the limit for the kid, given his age, I really like him as a piece at number eight. And it would not shock me if he goes even higher than that on draft night. You guys are so entrenched in the, the draft lifestyle, thinking about it every day. So you might, you might not, <laughs> you might not look at these guys as sleepers, but in my opinion, the G League Ignite guys were slept on this year. I think when it comes to Bochamp, when it comes to Hardy, even when it comes to Daniels. Did you see that as well, Nathan? No, I did. I would agree with that 100%. And that was one of the favorite trips that I got to do on the road this year was to see G League Ignite. I got to go over to Delaware to yeah. see and play the Blue Coats. I just I wanted to see these guys in person. I wanted to see what they looked like, what they were working on pregame. And then how did they work with each other during a game? How do they look against other pros? I want to see how all that came together. And I came away really, really impressed with Dyson Daniels, Marjan Beauchamp, and Michael Foster. The only guy I didn't get to see was Hardy um, up close and personal. But we're, we're, we're still fairly high on Jane Hardy over in No Ceilings, too. The Spurs are up. Corey, you're up. Who do you have? All right. I am going to take Johnny Davis for the Spurs. Um, I love Johnny Davis's game, man. Like, it, th- this is a guy who came out of nowhere and – took over like after the 37 point game where he put 37 on Jaden Ivy's head, like his stock through the roof. I think people cooled on him a little bit because he got hot early and people get infatuated with the the new fresh hot name that, that comes after. But when you look at the the load that he had to carry on his shoulders and that Wisconsin team to drag them to be competitive every single night, like he, it's no wonder, you know, he's thought of as highly as he is he measured really well at the combine six five like you know great wingspan strong um i love his poise i love his mentality and i understand that you know the spurs took primo last year and he's you know kind of plays that same spot but primo's still far away he showed a lot the kid's gonna be good but like this the spurs are in a spot where like if you can get a guy like johnny davis and add that to Dejounte murray you could afford to be patient with Primo, bring him along, kind of give him the Anthony Simons treatment where, you know, maybe he explodes a couple of years down the line um, and you could still get yourself a really great piece that I think, you know, uh, eventually all three of those guys might even be able to play together because DeJounte is pretty tall himself. He, he, you know, he could probably guard some threes. So I think that that could be a, a really fun fit for San Antonio for pop. People are questioning his shot. Who better than Chip England? That yes. to, to go in right and and, yes. and just make a tiny tweaks to to perfect it. So Johnny Davis to the Spurs, and a great Taco Bell commercial. Yeah, man, he's getting Big that. Time. He's getting that Taco <laughs> Bell money for sure. <laughs> All right, we're at number ten on the clock. Nathan Washington, Benedict Matherin for the Washington Wizards. They, if I'm in Washington's shoes, they have enough options at the forward spot. If you wanted to make an argument for Jeremy Sohan, fine. 
I actually think Matherin is the better prospect of the two. I have him ranked higher on my board. And what better than to bring in another wing who doesn't need the ball in his hands, can definitely be a vertical lob threat from cutting along the baseline, can be an open three-point shooter, somebody who plays his tail off. Brad Beal won't have to look over and, and try and get more out of the rook. Benedict Matherin will be competitive enough. He'll bring it every night for the Wizards. If you could get Benedict Matherin at number 10, I think you've done a very good job. And I think you're going to be very happy. See, be- better draft than people <laughs> want to say that it is, right? Here we go. Oh, yeah. That's a no-brainer right there, in my opinion. Okay. So everybody knows I'm a fan of no team, but I am a New York guy, which means yes, sir. there are some Knicks fans that listen to this. So there's a lot of pressure All with the you pressure here, Corey. Corey. A lot of pressure. Who are we taking? I'm a New Yorker, too, so I, I'm, I'm with it. Uh, I'm going to go with Malachi Branham here for the Knicks. Okay. And uh, I think that the Knicks are another team that needs shooting. They're, uh, you know, you look at Julius Randle, who knows what his future, but let's assume that that contract's a little hard to move. Uh, you look at Mitchell Robinson, let's assume they plan on bringing him back. Uh, RJ, not known as, as the best shooter. Let's mm-hmm. get some snipers around him. I like the move with Grimes. I liked it with Quickly. Let's continue to add that. I think that Branham, with his height, his wingspan, um, the fact that he could play on or off the ball, you could put him in a number of lineups with a lot of the Knicks young players. And uh, I think that he's the kind of guy that like you look at in the last few minutes of a game, he could develop into that Chris Middleton type of player where he's either getting shots out of the pick and roll. He's getting shots out of isolation. He plays like, I just, I like the, the pace he plays at. And again, like if RJ's the guy in the last few minutes, you can count on um, Branham to knock down shots off the catch as well. So uh, I think that New York would, uh, would be able to get a good one if they, if they got Branham there. Absolutely. Okay. See, Nathan, you're on the clock. Let's just throw out a team of, of very interesting switchable players and let's give him Jeremy Sohan. Let, let, let's mm. let him go there at number 12. Regardless of the offensive questions you may have, again, very little pressure situation. Oklahoma City, similar to some of the other situations we've talked about tonight, he can bring along the offense at the right pace while having him guard virtually every position on the floor. I think he is one of these guys that could become a one through five defender in the league, which I, I never throw that around lightly. He does have to definitely improve on the physical side to be able to bang down low with some of those matchups, depending on who it is, but very, very versatile defender, smart connector type player. We even saw him bring the ball up the floor, play some pick and roll with, with, with Baylor, do some fun stuff there. And then as the offense comes along, he's going to be one heck of an asset for the thunder in the future. So go there at number 12. Corey, you're on the clock. Who's helping out Mello here, man? Who do we got? Who are we drafting? Talk to <laughs> Look, me. This is where in the draft you got to play chess, not checkers. Now, I know we're just doing the lottery here, but I'm going to make this pick with the assumption that the Hornets are also picking at 15. So a lot of people are probably like the Hornets really need a big man, and that, that they do. And oh, there are boy. a couple of big men that are on the board that make a lot of sense here. Um, however, I'm looking at Cleveland one spot behind me and I'm seeing Jared Allen. I'm seeing Evan Mobley. I'm seeing Laurie Markinen and I'm going Cleveland's not drafting another big to sit on the bench. So wow. I'm going to take a wing at 13, knowing that I'm going to get my big man at 15. So I'm going to give them national champion Ochai Agbaji as a shooter, defender, transition, and a nice little Jimmy Butler-esque backdoor lob threat for my man LaMelo Ball. Very nice. Who would have thought of that? But Corey, thinking, thinking ahead. <laughs> now, no, that's great. You're absolutely right. Cleveland will not take a big. I don't think they will, at least. Unless it's like a trade piece or something. <laughs> unless Who it's knows? a trade. Yeah, unless it's a trade. Great stuff. Nathan, the final pick of the Combos Court Mock Lottery. 
Cleveland is on the board. We established they won't take a big, or will they? Talk to us. <laughs> no, they won't. They won't. Okay. <laughs> and people, people would have thought this was crazy two to three weeks ago. It ain't crazy anymore. Corey, Corey knows where I'm going because I did something very similar on my mock draft podcast. I'll give Cleveland Jalen Williams uh, Santa Clara mm. number 14. Just one of these wings who he's going to come in ready to play on both ends of the floor. Gives them some very nice ball movement from an offensive standpoint in the half court. One of the lights out catch and shoot guys that we have in this draft class by the numbers. And I think he's, he's a little underrated defensively in terms of what some people have been saying on social media, six, five with a seven, two wingspan. Give me that guy to fit in on Cleveland to give them something a little different than what they have right now at the two guard position, Karis Levert's health, notwithstanding. That rounds it out. That was a great mock draft. Thank you guys so much for joining in. Where can we find you guys? I know it's no ceilings, but individually, where can we find you guys? As a collective, where can we find you guys? Talk to us. Talk to us. Go ahead, I mean, Nate. You go first. You can, you can find me on Twitter at Draft Deeper. You can find the Draft Deeper podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And then our No Ceilings Collective, NoCeilingsNBA.com. Go subscribe to the Substack over there. It's free 99, as Corey likes to say. And then make sure you're following... <laughs> the social at no ceilings NBA on Twitter to get all of our content right in one place. We share everything we do over there. Corey, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Tulliba. Um, I'm the same places on no ceilings, but let's throw out no ceilings TV as well on YouTube. Uh, the NBA draft dude on YouTube, the draft act NBA draft podcast, anywhere podcasts are available. And uh, make sure you tuned in because we're, we got a draft guide dropping tomorrow uh, or if probably if you're listening to this will probably have dropped already we have an entire <laughs> merch line um that'll be out and available so uh, a lot of exciting things happening guys thank you so much for taking the time i know it's a busy time of year it's mock season we got to mock it up here at combos court really appreciate you both you're always welcome back on the show and talk soon Sir, appreciate you having us. Nice combo. There it is, another episode of Combo's Court. Some draft talk, some mock draft action for you. Big thanks to Corey and Nathan for joining in. We appreciate you. Share this episode. Share with a friend. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories. And tag me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for the next episode of Combo's Court. Combo, out.